I want to read to you in Ephesians, and you're welcome to stand with me for the reading of the Word. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, sometime around 60 to 61 AD, Paul was writing from prison, as a matter of fact, to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a place, and there was one Christian church there, and he was writing to those people in Ephesus. It was, they were known as Ephesians, obviously, like we are Americans. They were Ephesians, and he was directing it specifically to the church in Ephesus. And so Paul began to write many things, celebratory of God, and he moved into where he was celebratory of the church and all that the church was doing. But he made a statement in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that I believe is worth noting. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, we'll read it from the screen. It says, and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your presence and how it, it transfers and it goes to different places. I know that, God, your spirit has been felt. And so, Lord, we welcome you here. God, you speak on our behalf. God, you minister to us. May we truly sit at your feet today and learn. And God, we love you. We praise you and thank you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to talk with you today about my highest priority. My highest priority. I heard the story of a group of friends that were going deer hunting and they had paired off in twos like many times you do when you've got multiple people going hunting. They paired off in twos and two went this way and two went that way and it was a long day of hunting. Literally, they stayed in the woods. Each one, they decided they stayed in the woods and were just going to hunt all day long. So it had grown dark and two of the hunters had came back and they noticed one of their fellow hunters coming in the distance. They noticed something was wrong because he was staggering. And then as they got further into the light of the campfire, they could see that he had a massive buck on his shoulders. And he was carrying this massive buck all the way back to the camp. And obviously their question in amazement of him carrying a deer, but also, where's Harry? Where's the other guy that was with you? The hunter was exhausted. He plopped the deer over out of breath. He said, I think Harry, he, he had a stroke a couple of miles back, I think. And uh, he's laying on the trail. <laughs> Obviously, they're impressed by the deer, maybe impressed that he drugged that deer. But they said to him, they said, you left Harry laying on the trail a couple miles back and you brought this deer back? Confused a little bit. He said, well, well yeah. I mean, nobody was going to try to steal Harry. <laughs> Priorities. See, we, we all have them. We all have priorities. And sometimes, or most of the time, the problem with priorities is they have a hard time staying in order. They have a hard time staying in the right places because life oftentimes dictates our priorities. Oftentimes, circumstances, problems, tragedies arise. Things come up in our life, and they take precedent, and they take priority over the things that we already know are important and should be a priority. 
And so today, my goal is not to try to help you organize your life in all of your priorities. That's not my intention today. I really believe that you honestly, if you were to self-reflect, you would be able to write down a list and probably in a pretty close order exactly how your life should be prioritized. Because most of us know the good that we ought to do, we just don't do it. But see, today I hope to remind you of something that I feel as if you already know. And that is to remind you of your highest priority. Because I believe personally from the Bible that the Bible teaches us that if we will get this priority right, if we can get this one thing nailed, if we'll hit it right in the bullseye, everything else in our life will literally work itself out. I don't think you have to focus on seven or eight different things. I don't think any of those things matter as much as our highest priority. And we will see across Scripture that God literally repeats himself over and over, emphasizing to us what that priority is. And so I want to begin again with the verse that we started with. I want to read that verse from a slightly different translation in order to pick up just a few words that I think would be important as we begin to look into this and see what the Lord would have for us in this specific message. And I want us to look in Ephesians chapter 1 in the Message Bible. And it says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. Let's stop right there. So Paul, in prison, praying for this church. He's praying for this church that he started and he's breathed life into. And he's coaching them and encouraging them. And so he's sending them this letter saying, I'm praying for you I'm asking God to give you wisdom, to give you intelligence, to make you discerning so that you can realize this because it's not natural and it's easy to forget, it's easy to leave behind, it's easy to ignore, but I am earnestly praying for you that you might understand what your highest priority is. And then he says these words, he says that you might know him and the message says personally. That you might know him personally. And now see, this is, this is a really important phrase. Know him personally. It's really important for us to draw some attention to that spot. Because he uses the word know. And that word know comes from a Hebrew word, gnosko. And I'm not trying to turn you into some Hebrew scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. You can just look this up online and find out what it means, okay? So I'm not thinking I'm something great. But you can literally read it for yourself. When we study that specific passage, the word know comes from that word gnosko. And it's so much more than just a head knowledge. So much more than just an intelligence of knowing someone in that sort of way. That you know them, you know their characteristics, you know it up here. This word, in its definition, it means to know someone both intimately and personally. That you would know someone intimately and personally. See, it's best described and best illustrated in the closest intimacy between a husband and a wife. It literally, in the, Jewish, in the Jewish dictionary or dialect, what they would use to consummate a marriage, the act of consummating a marriage is to gnosko. 
that it would be the closest intimacy that you can share with another person, it is referred to as gnosko. And it is the word that when Paul talked to these people, they got it. They knew it. Because he said gnosko, but see, we use the word no, and we can lose some things in translation. We can lose the depth and importance that our highest priority in life our highest, my highest, your highest priority in life is to know God. It is our most important and utmost highest priority. It's to know God. And in Jesus' final prayer with his disciples, literally the night that he was to be betrayed, he prayed both for them, he prayed with them, he prayed over them, and you can read it for yourself, but in John chapter 17, he begins the prayer praying to his father. Now, the disciples could hear him. This is before they went over to the garden, and he was going to be betrayed. He, they could hear him praying, and he was talking to his father, and he said these words. He said, this is eternal life. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And that the only true God in Jesus Christ, me, who you have sent, this is eternal life, that they may, there it is, gnosko. Same word, that they may gnosko you, that they may know you intimately and personally as a husband knows a spouse in the closest sense of the word. You see, here, here's the difference. You and I, we know Billy Graham. I know Billy Graham. You know Billy Graham. I know who he is, but the problem is I've never met him. I would love to meet him, but I've never met him. I know he's a really good man. You know he's a really good man. I just know that he is deep inside of me, but you know what? I've never been close to him. I also know what he's done and, and how he's done a lot of really wonderful things. You know how he's done a lot of really wonderful things, but I personally, me personally, I've never experienced it for myself, never. You know what? I know also that Billy Graham's very loving and compassionate. There's no way that he could dedicate his entire life and for many times walk out the door, leave his family for six months, 12 months at a time, and go and evangelize the world. I know he's very loving and compassionate because I see his deeds, but I have never experienced it for myself. You see, I know Billy Graham. But I don't gnosko Billy Graham. And see, simply knowing of someone or knowing about them or having a mild understanding of who they are, even if it's someone wonderful and you admire and you look up to them and you're around them but you don't truly know them, there is such a difference between knowing someone intimately and knowing someone just of them. You see, it's closer than a closest friend. It doesn't even compare to you and your closest friend. It's so much deeper than that. You see, I know my wife. I know her. I know Abby. As a matter of fact, we just celebrated last Wednesday 14 years of being married. Yeah. She told me nine and a half months ago she's been happy, and, and I'm, I'm thrilled with that. So. We've been together for 18 years. We've got three children, dear Lord. 
10, 6, and 5. And yes, we figured it out. We were just gnoscoing a lot. I love her. I know her. I know the look that I'm getting right now. I know what that means. I know her personally. I know her intimately. I know her voice. I know what she says when she's not saying it. I know what she's saying when she says, I really don't care where we eat. You better believe that ain't true. It's not what she's saying, it's what she's saying. <laughs> but I know her, I spend time with her. She's my best friend, and she's so much closer than a friend. I know her. I'm talking about a deep relationship with God, so much deeper than we can oftentimes even fathom. So regardless, listen, a lot of us, we get to the place where it's a, a spiritual sickness where we say, you know what, I've been in church all my life. I've been in church all my life, and I don't care if you're a 50-year Christian or if you're brand new, today is your first day that you accepted Christ. I don't care of what spectrum you're on. It doesn't matter regardless. God's desire is that you would know him personally. Personally. You see, everything in your life, everything in your life, it hinges. It hinges on the depth of you knowing God. Everything in your life, everything hinges on you knowing God and the depth in which you know him. Everything. It's critically important. Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. This is astounding. He was teaching a, a lot of things. And I've often read this scripture, and I really just didn't understand it, so I just went right on by it. I, I just, it's like it didn't fit between my ears, and I just, okay, I got, I'm going to go for the low fruit, you know? I'm going to go for something real easy to understand because that is way over my head. That's, you know, that's how we kind of read the Bible. If, it, if, it's too, if it's too deep, it's like, whoop, I'm going through but the Lord brought this to me to this, in preparing for this. And, and, and he said these words in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. He said, not everyone who says Lord is going to go to heaven. I, that used to just confound me. So, so not everyone who professes you as Lord is going to go to heaven. And, and skipping down at verse 22, it says, And many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Listen. He said, so the day that judgment happens and they come and they stand before me, they'll say, I professed you as Lord. I did all these wonderful things. Did you, do you remember? Do you remember all of the things I did? Do you remember all the good deeds I did? Do you remember all the times I ministered and I handed out food to the poor and I took care of the widows and I did all these wonderful things? I prophesied. I told people the good news. I told them about you. I went around and I did all these wonderful things. I helped the body of Christ. I was busy, busy, busy working for you, Lord. You've got to be pleased, right? And it got to verse 23, and he said, and then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. 
One version, and many, it goes on, and that version says, Apart, depart from me. I never knew you. It's the word again. It's gnosko. I never knew you. I never intimately knew you. I never personally knew you. You were busy doing all these wonderful things for me, and I just did not know you. And I wanted to know you more than anything else. Mary and Martha, we've heard the story a lot. The story of Mary and Martha and Jesus was coming into the town. And I want to read you in Luke chapter 10, this specific story. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home up to him. Now, this is a great illustration of exactly what I believe God is saying to us today. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Hold on, where is Mary? She's at the Lord's feet. All right, remember that. Keep that in your mind. Mary is at the Lord's feet. Here we go to Martha. Let's check her out in verse 40. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now listen, let's pause right there for just a second too. Uh, This is a side note. A lot of times when you're busy doing the work of the Lord, if you're not careful, you'll get real critical of people that are not busy as you are. That's deeper than y'all are realizing. And I don't say deep stuff. But listen, this is, where was Martha? Martha, what's wrong with Martha? She's distracted. And you would too, ladies. You understand. Listen, if Jesus was going to stop by your house today, and let's say he didn't even announce himself, he just showed up at your house, and in this day especially, he was going to eat, he was going to hang out, what would you be doing? Cooking, running around the house, throwing the dirty laundry in the back, kicking the dog out the back door, vacuuming the couch because it's got dog hair on it, and you're really just working, trying to get everything done. Oh, Lord, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. I mean, very well illustrated. That's how I would be. If Jesus dropped by your house today, don't tell me you wouldn't hit the floor. (laughs) Now, last time I dropped somebody was in the baptismal pool. (laughs) I dropped myself today. (laughs) And don't think for a minute they won't throw that on every social media site on the planet. Could y'all help this one break 100,000 views too? (laughs) Dear Lord, I'm glad I got zero pride. (laughs) You can't have pride and work on this team. But Martha was distracted. Of course she was distracted. I don't even fault Martha for being distracted. I don't even have a problem with Martha being distracted. Who was going to cook for Jesus? I mean, Mary's just over there acting like nothing's needing to be done. I mean, these are grown women griping to Jesus right in his face. Are you going to tell her? I mean, it's crazy. I'm with Martha. Stuff's got to get done. Jesus ain't going to just eat his shoe. But you know what? 
Here's the crazy thing. In verse 41, Jesus responds and he says, Martha, Martha, get up off the floor. Let's try to recover. <laughs> You're worried and upset about many things. That's normal. You're worried and upset about many things. I see it. Jesus said, I see it. I see all that's going on. And this is, this is what he said. This is, a, this is a game changer, guys. He said, but few things are needed. Few things are needed. See, when we've got a whole lot going on in our life, even if we're doing a lot of things for Jesus, a lot of good things, Jesus said few things are needed, and then he just really nails it in. He says, or indeed, wait, 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 you're gonna mess that up. Because if I just leave it with few things are needed, you're gonna really go to town and you'll have 70 things. Or indeed, let me get this right. Let me put your priorities in order for you. Only one. And Mary has chosen what is better? Where's Mary? Mary's at his feet. She's at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to Jesus. She's learning of Jesus. She's growing in her relationship with Jesus. She's just absorbing him. She's not concerned about everything else. She's concerned with knowing Jesus. And he said, let me help you prioritize. You got a lot going on. There's really only a few things needed. Let me make it even more simple. There's really only one, and Mary got it right. Mary got it right. You see, when I read the Bible from cover to cover, from creation of man to Jesus walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, all the way through in the, in the birth of a Savior where he came to walk with man, all the way to the end where he's redeeming man to bring them to where he is so that we might spend eternity with him. He has said it over and over that our highest priority and his priority for us is that we might know him. That we might know him. So we began today with Paul. We began with Paul urging and encouraging people to, to the, the church at Ephesus to, to get to know the Lord better. I, I appreciate all that you're doing, all that you've done, but I want you to know the Lord better. And so where are they? What's the update on the church? John, the revelator, was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, and, and God came to visit him on that island, and he gave him a word for the seven churches, one of which was the church of Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, God speaks and sums up 30 years later, after Paul had written that, where was the church at that point? And this is what God says to them. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good, all the many things that they had done right, and God doesn't go without noticing all of those things, but he continues on in verse 4, and tragically, he says to them, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. You have left your first love. It means to neglect, and when I looked at the word, I looked at it into the original meaning, and chills ran over me, because it said, as a husband divorces his wife, you have left me. All I 
wanted from you was to gnosko you. I wanted to know you intimately and personally as a spouse knows their husband or wife. In that relationship, that's what I wanted. But you were so busy doing so many things and so carried away, even in my name and in my honor and for me, that you missed me and you left me and you forsook me. God, help us. God, help us. When we get out of order, our greatest priority, when we mess things up and we get busy doing a lot of good things, but we miss our greatest priority. You see, as the musicians are coming and begin to close, as you leave today, at every door, every campus location that's watching this service, our ushers will be standing at those doors, and I, I have an armband for you. And it's not a fashion statement. It's not an opportunity for you to promote the church. Our logo's not on it. But it's just simply an armband that has two words on it. No God. is a reminder for you. I pray every one of you would take one. I pray that, that you would wear it again, not to promote our church, not to promote anything specific other than God. But that word, no God, would remind you of the intimacy that God seeks for you. So I want to answer the question before you put all your stuff away. How? go from here to there? How do I get from where I'm at now to where God wants me to be? I, I just don't, I, I can't really grasp it. I'm telling you, you must saturate your life with Jesus. You cannot pick over Jesus like a buffet. You cannot just pick and choose when and if you need him and if things are tragically going wrong in your life and really call the preacher and really seek the Lord in that moment and then everything's going okay and you're fine and you don't need anybody at that time and then you don't really need a relationship with the Lord. You can't do that. There has to be a commitment there has to say, I can't just up and decide that I don't want to be married today, but I will be tomorrow, and I may be on Friday. I'm just not really sure. Let me think about it. And I wear a reminder every day of my life of the commitment, the intimate commitment that I have for my wife. And we must be reminded every day, your highest priority is very, very simple. It's to know God. And I just don't mean to know him like you know Billy Graham. If you're married, you need to know him more intimately than you know your spouse. You need to know his voice because you're with him. I don't care if you've been in church all your life. You see, if you want to know how specifically we got to read our Bible, 
Read devotionals. Read whatever you can that would encourage you. Listen to your Bible. A lot of people say, I can't read my Bible. I don't have time. Listen to it. They make podcasts, things that you can listen to. You can listen to messages throughout the week. You can stream the messages to yourself. You can find a way. Get the CDs. I don't care if you're in the dark ages and you don't know how to work your phone. I don't, it doesn't matter. Find a way to get the Word in your heart. Immerse yourself in Christian music. Many of us feet crud into our head all week long and then we think we're going to get to church and all of a sudden give it to me God you need to immerse yourself in Christian music surround yourself in God honoring music I don't even care if it's good stuff you say well this music ain't bad well it ain't God honoring so get rid of it I don't need it it's a difficulty for me it's an area of weakness for me But we need to surround ourselves with Christian people as much as possible. And I know some of you say, well, I work with the most pagan wild bunch and I hear the most rotten junk all week long. I wished I could change it and I wished you could. But I encourage you as much as possible, surround yourself with Christian people. And finally, and certainly not least, pray both continually all throughout the day and deliberately in scheduled appointments with God where you say right now we're going to sit down and I'm just going to pour my heart out to you. I'm going to read. I'm going to learn. I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to make it very deliberate. It is far too easy to slip away and way too difficult to stay the course for us not to very intentionally decide to know God. And I believe if we get it right everything else will work itself out. Everything. All your other priorities will work out. Your marriage will work out. Your relationships, they'll work out. Everything else will. Because it is your highest and your most important priority. Don't get that one wrong. Nothing else works in your life if that one's not right. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. 
This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.